morning and welcome to worship at Hillhead on this first Sunday of Advent 2022. Our service this morning is led by Katrina. Today we'll also hear Elizabeth reading scripture. Exan and Anis are leading the Lord's Prayer. Katrina will lead our prayers for others and shortly Janet will light our candle. Our musicians are Paul on various keyboards and Neil, who we will hear playing trumpet. We're invited to meet again this evening um, at 7 p.m. for our evening reflections, and these will take place online. Details for joining are in the same email as the information about this morning's services. Our weeknight Advent street reflections start tomorrow evening, 9 p.m. They will last 15 minutes and include a reflection, a poem, a picture, and a prayer. The link has already been circulated, uh, so you should have that, uh, and also the link for the weekly ecumenical online Advent Bible study. A reminder also that this is our last chance to donate to Christian Aid. And the key with greetings will be circulated later this week. We also have some sad family news. Will's mother, Ruth, died on Friday. Many of us will remember Ruth from her many visits over the years. So I'm sure we all would want to accompany Will and Grace with our thoughts and prayers over these coming days. And now it's time for Janet to light our candle. As we begin our Advent journey this year, we ask God to give us the courage to hope. The psalmist says, We wait in hope for the Lord, who is our helper and protector. In God, our hearts rejoice, for we trust God's holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, because we put our hope in you. Mm -hmm. 
So let's pray together. Advent God, the God who comes to us. In this season of physical wintry darkness and psychic, emotional and spiritual shadows, we yearn with all creation for the new light and new life that comes to us in Christ. Travelling God, the God who journeys with us, in these weeks of busy preparation, practically for the festivities of Christmas, and spiritually in our quest for meaning, we ask you to walk alongside us, showing us, one step at a time, the way we should go. Hopeful God, whose dream for all creation transforms despair with renewed vision. As we listen to ancient words of scripture, as we sing well-loved hymns and songs, and as we plan our celebrations, stir in us renewed hope for the days ahead. Amen. ای پدر ما که در آسمانی نام تو مقدس باد ملکوت تو بیاید اراده تو چنان که در آسمان است بر زمین نیز کرده شود نان کفاف ما را امروز به ما بده و گناهان ما را ببخش چنان که ما نیست آنان که بر ما گناه کردن را میبخشیم و ما را در آزمایش میابند بلکه از شریر برایده زیرا ملکوت قدرت
if, like me, you happen to be part of, well, clergy social media groups and certainly some Christian social media groups, around this time of year, you get the ubiquitous jokes about four candles or fork andles, andles for forks, as the two Ronnies would have said. Of course, you have to be of a certain age, probably, and a certain nationality or group of nationalities for that to make any sense whatsoever. But during Advent, a lot of churches use four or actually technically five candles to help us mark the Sundays along the way. And the marking of Advent seems to go back to around about the fourth century, possibly earlier. But only in the last couple of hundred years, really, have people started to use candles and calendars to help us mark our way through the season. Most probably the Advent wreath as we now know it, and I would think also the Advent calendars, which are increasingly popular, have their origin in Germany and were uh, started by a Lutheran priest who used a great big cartwheel and onto it put 24 candles, 20 red ones and four white ones, apparently, to help the children in the church to count the days through Advent. It seemed like a long season in the dark. So each day another candle would be lit and red for weekdays and white for Sundays. And of course, those of us again of a certain age will remember the Blue Peter Christmas crown, Advent crown, with its four candles for the last four Blue Peters to Christmas. Lots of different traditions using candles. Um, we're this year using the purples and pink uh, set of candles last year we used reds um so we have four three purple and a pink one for the third sunday of advent because the theme on that sunday is joy there are lots of different schemes that people use and there isn't a right order um but we are using one that this, this year will run hope love joy and peace and each sunday we will write light an additional candle some of you might also have one a bit like this um, with numbers on it, uh, particularly uh, families with children quite often have these to help us to mark the days to, or just to sit down for a little bit of time each day and be still while the candle burns down. There is a, an often used saying and nobody seems to quite know where it comes from, but it's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness something about the small changes that we can make that bring home. So let's sing now about that. Light a candle in the darkness.
Many of us, I'm sure, are familiar with the app that you can have for your phone called What Three Words. It's an app that is based on dividing, as I now understand it, the whole planet, or at least the whole landmass on this planet, into squares that are three metres by three metres, and assigning to each of those squares three words. I had a look at what three words and where I am sitting in the office at the manse apparently is defined by the three words spared, placed, ritual. I leave it for you to decide if there's anything significant about those words. They, they tend to be just random selections of words. But they are, it's quite a useful app if you happen to um, be in the car and it breaks down in the middle of nowhere and you need to tell the, the breakdown people where you are you can give them your what three words and they can find you. Um, those who maybe remember the queue in the summer on the website, it would give you the what three words reference for where you could join the back of the queue. Advent is often described as a journey and we use various words along the way. And we have three Sundays where we're going to be focusing on Advent. And we have three words that we're going to be thinking about, which is why I have my really dreadful title, Ho, Ho, Ho. Uh, hope is this week. Next week, well, I was going to have hospitality, but that doesn't quite do the ho sound. So it's home slash hospitality. And the third week is going to be holy. So ho, ho, ho. Hope, home, holy is the what three words reference for where we're going this Advent. This week, I was asked to lead a Bible study for the ecumenical group of churches in the area on the theme of hope. So I'm going to cheat a little bit and use some of the work I did for that. But they signposted me to a website that used three words for hope from the Bible, which is where I got my what three words idea from, I have to confess. So for those who like a little bit of a language lesson, um, if you don't, you can just sort of switch your brain off for the next five minutes. It's fine. Um, these words according to that website, are the three most commonly rendered as hope in English translation to the Bible. Now, I didn't do Hebrew, so my pronunciation is going to be diabolical. So if anybody who has done Hebrew wants to correct me, please feel free to unmute and correctly pronounce the words. The first word, I think, is something like yachal, and that means wait, and it carries a sense of patience, of trust and expectation. The second word or group of words, um, they used kava with the K spelling, but it can be spelt in different ways. And tikva is a related word. Sometimes, apparently, these are also translated as faith or grace, which is interesting because it reminds us how all these words are interconnected. I really like this one because the tikva word comes from originally a word that means a chord or a string, and it carries with it a sense of tension and release. The string is held in tension as we wait and then it's released as we get there. But also the kava word can also be translated as binding together. Uh, if you think of um, how a rope is made of many strands and is therefore stronger. So I think that, that's an interesting way of, of looking at hope. And then in the New Testament, we have a Greek word, elpis, um, also the name of a charity with which we have historic links, which is based on this very same idea of, of bringing hope into people's lives. 
Apparently that one traditionally or originally has more of an emotional emphasis, but it, it means something about anticipation. And anticipation is a word I really like because it also has two meanings or two different emphases. When we anticipate something, we look forward to it. We're anticipating Christmas. We're looking forward to it. But another way to think of anticipating is to live as if we, it was already there. We sometimes there's a, a Brian Wren hymn that talks about live tomorrow's life today. That's what anticipation can look like in a Christian sense. If this is what the hope we believe in, we should start to live as if that's our reality. There are other words I discovered, um, and I definitely can't begin to pronounce um, some of these in in the Hebrew. These are also used in the Bible. Um, the first one. There are three different words that carry a sense of expectation. Midtach um, is about confidence, about assurance. And then I was really fascinated by the, the last pair, the shaka and the machake, something like that. You're supposed to just say it confidently, aren't you? And then people believe you know what you're talking about. But I just love the meanings of these, of hope as shelter, refuge, protection, hope as something a place of safety, if you like, where you can flee to find refuge and projection. So a lot of different words that are used for hope. But I think the one thing I'd like us to hold in mind is that hope is both a noun, it's a thing, and a verb. It is active. So we hope as we wait for the Lord. Bible reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 2 verses 1 to 5. In the days to come the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. 
they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The second reading is from Revelation 21, verses 1 to 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them and they will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Amen. What are you hoping for? Very often, if you go on a course or a conference, right at the start, you'll be asked, what are you hoping for? What do you want to get out of this thing? And I think that's the problem. Very often, hope gets mixed up with want or desire. What do you hope for becomes what do you want? What would you like? As part of my preparation for the Bible study that I was leading earlier in the week and for today, because the two became very much intertwined, I dug out some of my theological textbooks to remind myself what they had to say about hope and particularly about Christian hope. All the writers note that hope is a universal human experience at least in its broadest definition. Everybody, or at least 
almost everybody or most everybody some of the time or hopefully most of the time hopes for something. But what that hope means and what it looks like is very variable. It can be nothing more than vague, wishful thinking. Often linked, if unconsciously, to pleasure or gain. I hope I'll get those new boots I saw in the shop. I hope I get promoted. I hope we can go on that holiday. If all hope amounts to is just desire, then it isn't really hope at all. To be real hope, there also has to be action. Because as I've already said, hope is a verb just as much as it is a noun. And to be true hope in a Christian or biblical sense then it has to have a very clear purpose or telos if you want a Greek word. And also a conscious desire to act, to bring that hope nearer. Hope is not passive then. Hope is an active waiting. And it's a creative tension. If we go back to that image of the rope, there's a creative tension there. It's a now and not yet kind of a hope captured by those words that we looked at and expressed throughout the scriptures. So what do we hope for? What is the true goal of biblical hope? Elizabeth just read for us two of the best known prophetic visions of what it is that God promises. What the ultimate aim of Christ's redemption is all about. And I hate to say it, but that is, well, I don't hate to say it, but if you do think this, you're going to maybe not like it. It's not about a never-ending tea party with our nearest and dearest. It's not about me and those who think like me coming much closer to God and being affirmed in all we've ever thought was right. Actually, it is a vision of a new or a renewed creation. God's dream The goal of biblical hope is universal in its extent, embracing the whole of creation, not just a subset of humans able to affirm and express a particular creedal formulation. That doesn't give me or anybody else a nice, neat and tidy doctrine of atonement or salvation. And people of faith and goodwill are always going to discuss and debate and probably disagree on the scope and nature of what Jesus achieves. Sorry, of what God achieves or did achieve, because I think it's a both and achieved and achieves. I think it's an event and a process in the Christ event. But what it does do is for those of us who claim to follow Jesus, those who seek to be disciples of Jesus, a purpose to our faith and our discipleship. If this is what we hope for, if this is what we believe, what are we going to do about it? Because hope that is not active is not hope at all. Some of us are old enough to remember the song by John Lennon that included these words. Imagine all the people living life in peace. 
You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will live as one. Well, I'm really sorry, John Lennon, but actually I think we'll find that John of Patmos and Isaiah and a whole host of other biblical writers got there first. This week, I've been very much reminded of the link between hope and ethics. Not only must our hope be active, it has to affect our values and the choices we make in the here and now. And I'm going to share on screen some information that I shared with the Bible study group on Thursday from an American Baptist theologian called Stanley Grenz and an Italian-American theologian who was a Presbyterian called Daniel Migliori. And together they seem to sum up particularly well anything I might want to say, but they say it so much better than I could because they're they're real theologians. And I'm just kind of a, a jobbing minister type theologian. So Stanley Grenz says, and I've kind of already al alluded to this, hope is not sitting idly by waiting for God to act. It is of itself active. It's not enough to believe a right. Actually, we have to do a right. He also says that hopeful living means living hopefully. That's a nice phrase that, that trips off the tongue. But it seems to remind us that actually what we do matters. What we do in the here and now matters. And although it's never going to be the final thing, we're never completely by our own endeavours going to get to that completely renewed heaven and earth. We move it along. We, we anticipate it. We live that life today. So he says eschatological living demands real engagement. In other words, if we believe these promises of God are true, then we need to roll up our sleeves and join in with God. Daniel Migliori specifically states that hope and ethics are interrelated. And I've just got a couple of direct quotes from him. He says, hope empowers us to enter into solidarity with the groaning creation and to persist in the struggle for the renewal of all things. And I think that's really timely for us to hear that, particularly when we've been hearing so much about climate chaos and catastrophe at the moment. He also says, as we wait, pray and work for God's transformed world in which life will flourish and the forces of evil, death and destruction will be overcome, we learn the meaning of hoping in God rather than in our own abilities and achievements. In other words, what he seems to be saying there is if we join in with God, we begin to understand more and more about the wonder of who God is and what God desires. So we grow in faith as we get involved in it all. Biblical hope, as I said, is universal in scope. One of the really significant points in my own faith journey was the discovery um, by reading in Greek that what John 3.16 actually says is God so loved the cosmos, not just planet Earth and not just a subset of creatures on it. God so loved the whole of creation that God enters into it. 
And of course, we read in Revelation and we glimpse in Isaiah that the talos or goal of eschatological hope is this new or renewed creation. So if Gren's and Miglioria are right, and hopeful living demands action to anticipate God's dream, how do we do that? And I've just popped up on this slide a few areas that seem to be quite appropriate for us to think about. There are so many more I could have added. It, this is not exhaustive. It's not complete. It's not even comprehensive. But I wonder if there's something on there that resonates with you and you think, actually, I could be living hope better in that area of my life and my experience. There is something I can do. Just take a minute to think, what is one thing I can do to live the hope of Advent? So in hope, let us come to God in prayer. We pray together. Hopeful God, scripture tells us that your dream is for all creation to be renewed and restored. As we bring our prayers today, we dare to believe that you invite us and others to join in with the work for bringing that dream to reality. Internationally, the news is terrifying and it's really hard to know where to begin with our prayers. As our television screens are filled with images of the FIFA World Cup, we catch a glimpse of our interconnectedness with people all over this battered earth. As Iranian players sing or refuse to sing a national anthem, in protest against a political situation in their homeland. As German players cover their mouths to symbolise the silencing of their voices by the organising body, 
as England players take a knee against racism. And as a woman of colour commentating, wears a band, one love, armband. We find ourselves disturbed and questioning our own unconscious complicity in these and other complex matters. We pray that as consciences are stirred and protests are made, real and effective change might begin to happen. All people everywhere are your beloved children. And all of us have fallen short of the dream you have for us. Help us to live out our hopes of a just society where all people are truly valued and are truly free. BMS World Mission works across the globe, seeking to bring hope to some of the most marginalised and least evangelised people groups. This week, they invite us to pray with them for a number of small-scale business projects, bringing autonomy and opportunity to communities in Uganda, Peru and Nepal. From kitchen gardens to wells and irrigation streams, savings clubs and disaster responses, the dream of health, education and sufficiency comes a little closer for these people. As part of the Baptist Union of Scotland, we are, with others, seeking to be bringers of hope to those we meet. Today, we pray for St Andrew's Baptist Church, St Mary's Community Church in Dundee, and St Ninian's Community Church in Stirling. As they each travel their own Advent journey this year, may they find refreshment and renewed inspiration for all they do. We pray for our own church community, delighting in the diversity of those whom God draws to travel together in hope and in the footsteps of Jesus. We know that there are many among us who face huge challenges at this time, some which they are able to share and others so totally private and personal we will never know. We pray for those who mourn, thinking especially today of Grace and Will and their wider families. For those who are unwell, for those whose home or work life is especially demanding, for those who are working through bureaucratic processes of asylum, refugee status or citizenship, and for all affected by rising prices for food and fuel and indeed everything else. From our prayer diary, we pray specifically for Clifford, Ed, Christian, Jean and Walter, Paul and Rico, Ailey, Leo, Diane and Nigel, Katrina H and Ben, Rachel and Larissa. Help us to support and encourage one another reaching out in love and service and able to accept the kindness of others too. 
Lastly, we take a few moments of silence to bring to God our private prayers, to name our hopes, to admit our fears, and to seek the courage and strength to live hopefully. God of hope, we choose to put our trust in you and to pledge ourselves to work with you to bring ever closer the fulfilment of your dream for all creation. Accept our prayers and accept our very selves, for we offer them in Christ's name. Amen. As we begin our Advent journey this year, may God give us new hope and new courage to step boldly on the path that leads to the fullness of life.
Our time of worship is ended. Our service continues. Thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs>